Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors Studio is mobile today in Raleigh, North Carolina, as you just heard on Inside Penn State Athletics. Penn State in the Big Ten ACC Challenge tonight. We're at the tip-off set for 7:15. We'll still be on at 6:30. This evening on the network, although I think it's what seven o'clock for us tonight because we have uh, the Magic Radio and Santa this evening, correct? Yep, you get to follow the big guy at seven. No pressure. Oh, oh, Santa! Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking digital media there for a moment. No, uh, sorry. That's, that's, yeah. One day he'll get there. <laughs> to being Santa? Well. <laughs> He's not going to get there to be the big guy. Well, I mean, they had big guy status, but not Santa status. Uh, Santa, there's only just, one Santa status. Yes, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, does Roger know the coup d'etat? What? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> we have a lot going on today's show, including Andy Russell will join us in the next half hour. Jack Ham and I were driving back together from Maryland on Saturday night after the game. And, of course, Jack was one of the 25 that honored that was happened to be honored at Heinz Field on Sunday night. And I talked to Jack this morning, and, you know, it was a great time. But we were talking about uh, Andy Russell, and there were two people that were honored among that 25 that are not in the Hall of Fame, Donnie Schell and Andy Russell. And we both feel strongly that Andy should be in the Hall of Fame and that Andy's problem might be uh, what I referred to to Jack, and then Jack agreed with it. I said, "I said, what does he have? Jerry Kramer syndrome?" He says, "Yeah, we're you know <laughs> too many in from one team, which I think is absurd. It's the wrong way to go about it. You're either a Hall of Famer in your own right, or you aren't." And Jack and I, and especially Jack, feels very strongly about the fact that Andy should be. But Andy continues to do great work, including a special project in Sealands Grove. We'll talk to him about that. Donnie Collins, Grand Times Tribune, then joins us at 4.06 today following our play-by-play call of the day. And then in the final half hour, the guy that really opened the door on the story of Joe Moorhead going to Mississippi State, Brett McMurphy, is going to join us on the show. It turned out that you were uh, getting a hold of Brett McMurphy for other reasons. College football playoff, and as you're doing this, hey, you know, how about this? That was too crazy last night. Yeah, it was right around 9.30. He put out a really great story uh, with the score, and he pretty much mapped out his predictions for the college football playoff and which bowl, you know, which bowl was going to feature these two teams. He pretty much had the whole postseason of college football mapped out and I think yeah that will make for some great conversation and and I'm getting ready to hit send in the email and I go back into Twitter last night and lo and behold he's the first one to give the scoop about Joe Moorhead hitting hitting the highway and going south after two great seasons with Penn State well let me say this about Joe Moorhead I think number one uh, Mississippi State is getting an outstanding coach who's an even better guy I really really like and respect Joe Moorhead as a coach 
and as a person. I, you know, I see Joe all the time. Uh, we go to the same church. I see his family there, uh, and he is uh, he's he's a first class guy, and he's a terrific coach with a really great feel for the game. I hope he does really really well at Mississippi State. He knows what it's like to coach as an offensive coordinator in a really really tough division. He is now going to another really really tough division that includes Auburn and Alabama. But Dan Mullen also did not leave the cupboard bare. Now, Mississippi State is a good program, solid program. Uh, and it's interesting that Dan Mullen left that program to go take the job at Florida. Puts him in the Eastern Division, which might give him an easier path to get to the championship game. And Dan Mullen knows it because, of course, he was the OC at Florida under Urban Meyer before taking the Mississippi State job, where he did a great job. I think Joe Moorhead will do very well at Mississippi State. Now let's take it to Penn State. Remember, whenever you look at a, a program, you know the coordinators are really important. And I know the, uh, the any color analyst talks about the coordinators often, but there is a reality, and the reality is, is that the vision that the coordinators are executing happen to be the vision of the head coach. The head coach's vision is the one that actually comes into play when. I mean, James Franklin knew when he took the job at Penn State, he wanted mobility at quarterback. He liked the idea of RPO. So when it came time two years ago to hire a new offensive coordinator, James Franklin already had a vision as to what he wanted to see stylistically from the Penn State offense. And then he found Joe Moorhead over, you know, obviously you would known about him for a period of time, but he targeted Joe Moorhead to take that job because Joe Moorhead as a coach fit how James Franklin wanted to play. And Joe Moorhead's personality also fit the staff perfectly. Just like when it came time to look at the defense, instead of going outside, he looked internally and he brought Brent Pry because Brent Pry fit the style of play that James Franklin wanted. The next part is James Franklin as uh, as the person that hires. Look at the original coaches that he brought in that are still there. Obviously, Ricky Ronnie's done a terrific job. Josh Gaddis has done a terrific job. Charles Huff's done a terrific job. Sean Spencer's done a terrific job. Terry Smith's done a terrific job. And then there's Brent Prime. Now the adjustments he's made. Let's look at the hiring adjustments he has made. Matt Linegrover has stepped in, and he has done a really good job with that offensive line. The best is yet to come for that young group. He then hired Tim Banks, and Tim Banks has stepped in and done a fabulous job as a co-defensive coordinator and with the safeties. You talk to Marcus Allen and Troy Apke and Nick Scott and Aaron Monroe, they swear by him, and that tells you a lot about the coach that Tim Banks is. And then, of course, Joe Moorhead and you know, and what he's done. So when it comes to this hire, whether it happens to be external or internal, the most important part of the hire is that James Franklin is the one that's going to be doing the hiring. And he has earned the trust based on his original hires and based on his adjustment hires that tells me that Penn State's going to be in great shape with this. Because remember, the bottom line is all of this has been done because James Franklin had a vision and he put people in place to execute the vision that he has 
that understand the vision. Now, they're allowed to make their own tweaks and so forth to the vision that can make it even better. But still, it, it changed Franklin, I, Franklin's idea was to, look, I want a mobile quarterback. I want to have uh, a quarter, you know, an RPO makes sense to me in today's atmosphere. I'm going to get a coach that fits the personality of my staff that also fits how I, I want to see this offense run. And he found him in Joe Moorhead. Uh, I want a defensive coordinator that fits how I want to play defense. And I remember before Bob Shoup left, there were some rumors about Brent Pry being looked at as a head coach. And James pulled me aside during the process a couple of weeks before the tax layer bowl saying, so I'll tell you, Pry's a guy we really can't lose. And they kept him. Right? Now, he didn't know how it was going to play out with his coordinator because Bob Shoup didn't leave till after the tax layer bowl after saying before the game he was going to stay. Well, then, when he left, boom, Brent Pry was right there, and you notice it didn't take long for James Franklin to elevate him because of the confidence that he had proven over the years with him at both Vanderbilt and at Penn State. And Brent Pry has done a heck of a job as the defensive coordinator. So remember, Joe Moorhead did a fabulous job at Penn State. He is a great guy, a great family guy, and Mississippi State's going to be the beneficiary for getting him. At the same time, for Penn State, you already have a head coach that understands staff-wise, vision-wise, and recruiting-wise how he wants to play. And he's already proven to everybody he knows how to identify the type of coordinator that fits how to play that style and excel with it. And that, for Penn State fans, has to be the part where, look, be really happy for Joe Moorhead. Power five head coaching job in the SEC. But also feel really good about the guy that's going to be doing the hiring when it comes to the next OC at Penn State in James Franklin because his proven track record and proven vision is something that is the overriding component of everything you see of Penn State football. It's his vision that's playing out and he's hired really good people to execute that vision. Joe Moorhead happened to be one of them. We'll come back with more from Raleigh in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us. Uh, Happy for Joe Moorhead, very happy. And you saw the statement, the classy statement put out by James Franklin about Joe Moorhead getting a job. Look, when you're a really, really good program, you're going to get other schools looking at your coaches. Like, for example, who's the head coach at Georgia? Kirby Smart. Where did he come from? Alabama. Now, Jim McElwain is no longer the head coach at Florida. But Jim McElwain had been the OC at Alabama. He went to Colorado State, and then he went to Florida. Uh, You look at who was the other person rumored to be looked at at Mississippi State? Jeremy Pruitt, current uh, coordinator at Alabama. Tom Herman had been coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, Now, Tennessee was looking at the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, as we all know, and Greg Schiano, and we all know how that turned out. But again, when you're with a high-profile program, you are going to get uh, high-profile, successful programs are going to get other schools looking at you saying, okay, wait a minute, 
They've been successful. We need somebody. We need to hire that person. Okay, that is a real compliment to Penn State. That's a real compliment to the to what James Franklin has accomplished uh, here at Penn State, and the fact that won 19 and 22 games. You've got people looking at quote you, uh, Penn State's people saying, "There's somebody in that staff. I think they can make a real difference." Quote for us, and so they go after him. Okay, uh, it's the mediocre programs where you sit back and go, hey. "Now you're now let's play out a couple of other ones." Herm Edwards and Arizona State. Really? What's the goal with that one? He's 63 now. He only is he was at the only time he ever coached in college was two years at San Jose State in the late 80s. He hasn't recruited in forever. Now his ability to go in and be a big name and his ability to win the press conference is unquestioned. He will go in there as a big name, and people go, wow, we got Herm Edwards. And he'll go in there, and we know how he handles himself on the air, and we know how he handles himself at a press conference. He'll wow everybody in the room. The question is, can he get the job done as a head coach on a college level? And I don't know if he can. You have to be able to recruit. You have to have the ability to close the deal as the recruiter. Is Herm Edwards enough to do that? I don't know. Then there's Tennessee. Mike Gundy. I really respect the fact that Mike Gundy looked around and said, you know what, the grass isn't always greener someplace else. I give him credit for that. Now they're looking at Jeff Brom at Purdue. He's been at Purdue one year. One. Really? One year? And now you want to get out? One area when whenever I have been asked by selection committee people, all right, in the last two football searches where they privately got a hold of me and they wanted to know what I thought, I always brought up one point that I thought was an overriding point because look, you're going after quality people anyway, so we can quibble back and forth as to who's a better coach and so forth. But I always pointed out that, to me, a tiebreaker always was, I want someone who takes the Penn State job, who thinks that the Penn State job is the job. And I say that from personal experience. I want Penn State, I want somebody who takes the Penn State job to feel like the Penn State job is the job. And the reason I say that from personal experience is this. Doing the play-by-play of Penn State football, and, of course, basketball here tonight, I consider in my own life and my own standard as the job. It's not, you know, sure there are jobs at ESPN. You know I've done some BTN work and so forth, um, you know, and CBS and NBC. But I wouldn't trade that even though it would be more money for this job because this is the job I consider from my standard to be the job. Well, I want the coaches to feel the same way I do about it. And that's always been an an overriding part with me, which now brings me back to Jeff Brom. Evidently, Purdue to him is is not the job if he's already sitting there considering saying, "Ah, I'll, I'll go to Tennessee. Now, he hasn't said that yet. But I sure do find it interesting. His names come up there. Makes you wonder. <laughs> I mean, no, you'd think you'd want to be there two or three years to put your stamp on the program and make a difference. Well, look at let's look at, at Paul Christ. 
when uh, Brett Bielema left to take the Arkansas job, Paul Christ had been at Pitt for one year. And you notice he did not jump back to Wisconsin, nor did Barry Alvarez hire him to go back to Wisconsin. I think there was a sensitivity to the fact that he'd only only been there for a year. Now, when Gary Anderson then left, okay, now now they turn their attention to Paul Christ. And, I mean, to stay one place for one year and go, hey, thanks for everything, you guys were terrific, and then move on, that's a blow for a program. You don't want to. Be, you don't want your program, especially at a Power Five school, to be a stepping stone to another job. Really, you want people to come in there, and they you want to be perceived, especially at a Power Five school, that your job is the job. Although it's interesting, remember how Joe Moorhead just got his job at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen left to go to Florida. Uh, so, I mean, I mean that's uh, that's how I look at it. Now, maybe that's old fashioned. But I, you know, I, I saw his name come up, and I thought, "Wow, one year, one year, wow!" Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes eleven and fifteen in Hummel's Wharf. Andy Russell, next half hour, the great man himself, whose ears had to be burning on Saturday night as Jack Ham and I were driving back together from uh, College Park. Because his name came up and came up glowingly. Which then brings us to Donnie Collins. We'll get his reaction to the college football playoff. And also to the Joe Moorhead news. And speaking of the college football playoff and the Joe Moorhead news, Brett McMurphy is going to join us. All that and more coming up over the next 90 minutes here on News Radio 1070 WKOK from Raleigh. And don't forget tonight, 6 to 7. The Magic Radio, Santa Claus. Penn's Tavern is where you want to celebrate this holiday season. Whatever feel you're looking for, Penn's Tavern along the Susquehanna River can accommodate your needs. Mountain stone walls and wood floors can be found in the original dining area, giving you that old world charm. Continue back to the newly renovated River Room with 12 PA microbrews on tap. Grab a burger and sit back and relax in this cozy pub area. Penn's Tavern has the best gift certificate offer for the holidays. Buy five gift certificates of the same denomination and receive a sixth one free. Penn's Tavern, a piece of heaven on Route 147, five miles south of Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina for Penn State and NC State tonight in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. 7.15 the tip-off tonight, 7 o'clock the airtime here on News Radio 1070 WKOK as this begins a big three-game stretch for the Nittany Line basketball team with NC State tonight here in Raleigh. Iowa at Carver-Hawkeye on Saturday, and then Monday night back in the George Center against Wisconsin. Very pleased to be joined by someone whose ears were probably burning on Saturday night. Uh, one of the truly great players in the history of the Steelers, as honored by the Steelers on Sunday night, and also someone whose community outreach is second to none, and that is the great Andy Russell. Andy, welcome. It's great to have you back on the show. 
Oh, it's good to be back. I, you know, I, I really uh, always enjoy your show. Well, thank you, Andy. And uh, your ears had to be burning a bit on Saturday night because Jack Ham and I drove back from Maryland after doing the game. And we were both saying, and please don't be embarrassed by this, but we were both saying that we strongly believe that you deserve to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, not just the honor you received on Sunday night. Well, as I've said in the past, I'm not going to hold my breath on that on that issue. I know. But, you know, it's, uh, it's it would be a wonderful thing, but... Uh, you know, we we have a lot of Steelers that are in there, and I think that has an impact on it. Uh, I did refer to it when I was talking to Jack Saturday night driving back. I said it's the Jerry Kramer syndrome. Uh, so, and he agreed with that. But what was it like to be out there Sunday night with the other twenty-four? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, I really uh, enjoyed um, seeing all my former teammates and uh, get, getting. Uh, checked up on uh, what, what they're doing now and what you know what what's going on and we we had plenty of time to talk and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jack has talked about this. I'm going to get into the playground in a moment, but Jack and I have talked about this before about how much you taught him along the way, and we're seeing that with Eli Manning now because this morning in the cafeteria, who was in the cafeteria? Just two people, Davis Webb and Eli Manning, going over things. How important was it to you? to pull guys aside, teach them the ropes, some of the things that you picked up along the way? Uh, you know, I, I felt it was it was very important. I, I, I had um, an interesting experience. Uh, I, I went to uh, Germany as a, a second lieutenant uh, and on, on 1964 and 65, and one of the things that happened is they had division-level football. And so I got to play um, the, the division level football, and I played middle linebacker, which was always my favorite uh, position. But um, the the I had I had to, I was also the um, coach of the defense because I had played for the Steelers uh, one year in 1963, and I where I made the NFL um, All Pro rookie team. <laughs> But anyway, um, it, 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 I had to learn what where every single player is, what, what what his responsibilities were, and what where he should be, what he should be doing, and yeah, and so I, I I was a much smarter player when I got back from Germany uh, than I had been prior. I want to ask you now about the you know because you and your wife Cindy have just done so much for so many charitable endeavors including especially in the valley, in the Susquehanna Valley. The next one is a 9,600-square-foot playground that's specifically designed for individuals autism, intellectual disabilities, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, something that it's important to me because I have a somewhat spina bifida, hearing, sight impaired. How important was it to invest in a project like this? Well, um, you know, our... our um local uh guy who's in charge of all that uh, Fritz Heinemann uh yeah. was his idea and I and I liked it very much because it you know it's obviously an important thing to have um uh for the sick children and and also for for their parents to go by and and watch their youngsters that that are having problems so you know i think it's it's a great idea and and um you know we're we're gonna get it done uh hopefully it's gonna be uh um, completed sometime 
mid mid year next year, but we'll see. What what is it for you and Cindy? Why has it been so important to you, and what has been the impetus for the two of you to give back the way you have? Well, you know, I think uh, we've we've felt very fortunate. Uh, you know, we had raised a lot of money for our Russell Charitable Foundation, and um, we wanted to, to to see that that money was going to, going to very meaningful charitable uh, uh, issues, and um, I think we we think it it is done you know a great a great deal of. Uh, of uh, things uh, that that are important, you know, that, that like my my, my wife um, is on the board of Animal Friends, which is a, uh, a, a very important. Uh, it takes care of all the all the dogs that, that have problems, and uh, it's it's uh, they 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 just recently uh, set a record. I think it was a record. Uh, they raised they had a party for four hundred people. And they raised eight hundred and nine thousand dollars. Wow! Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. What an amazing yeah. number! Great charity. Wow. Uh, the selection. There are a lot of. There are obviously going to be a lot of very worthy projects. They get them all. You mentioned Fritz Heinemann and so forth. What's important to you that usually is a determining factor where you say, you know what? That's great. We should get involved in that. Well, I think the, you know it's it's very important that uh, we um, give back to the community in in important ways, where, where particularly when it, when it helps children who are sick and, and disabled. Um, that 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 is meaningful to us, us and uh, also uh, animals and and uh, you know uh, wildlife parks and things like that. So we have a lot of uh, interest in um, in, uh, in important things like that. Well, I, I want to go back just very quickly to uh, Sunday night. Where, in swapping stories, were there a few lies that were told along the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I can tell you that. Um, of course, you you were spending some time with Jack Ham, and uh, I, I've always said that Jack Ham was the, the best linebacker I ever saw play. Uh, you know, on film, you know, he was just—he was just a genius on film, and, uh, and also a greatly talented at player. But uh, we we uh, all got together and had fun. Uh, sometimes taking, you know, making fun of each other. And it was it was it was all it was just a really a fun event. And uh, I, the 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 Steelers created something with a Hall of Honor, not the. The Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Honor, and uh, that's—I uh, feel very lucky to have gotten into that. You know how gratifying has it been? And you, we all know the Roonies have run this like a family forever. How, how important has it been for you when you look back on everything that you were on the ground floor of something special in a family atmosphere? that does continue today because you and I both know how the pro sports world is today compared to what it, what it was like years ago. Oh yeah, it was dramatically different back in the uh, 60s and uh, you know, we we struggled to to win games and 
the 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 chief uh, who was the Mr. Rooney Senior who had who had founded the um, Steeler team uh, was always there. He he'd be out. You know, it'd be rainy. It'd be snowing. It'd be you know, he'd be out and and watching our us practice. And he always was patting us on the back and, and, and you know, approving, you know, trying to uh, to to improve ourselves. And uh, you know, I remember I, I was only the only um, player who could negotiate his contract with the chief because um, I was the captain, and uh, so they they made that possible. And uh, I remember one go- time going in and. And I, you know, I was trying to negotiate my own contract, and I said, "Well, uh, Mr. Rooney, do you, sir, do you think I deserve to go to the Pro Bowl?" And he said, uh, "Absolutely, you should have gone the year before." <laughs> I said, "Well, um, why is it that then, then that the uh, other uh, linebackers, you know, Sam Hoff and guys like that, why why is it they make three times what I'm making?" <laughs> and and he he looked at me. and He said, "Well, Andy, I can't, I can't be held responsible for the stupidity of the other owners." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Andy! Congratulations on a great honor that you richly deserve. But also on behalf of the community, thanks so much for how you and Cindy and your family continue to get back with this ninety-six. 100-square-foot playground that's going to do so much for so many individuals. We thank you for that very much and for the time you gave us today. Well, hey, I always enjoy it. I love being on your show. Thanks. Andy Russell, one of the true greats in the history of the Steelers, but then you look what he's done since the Steelers. The great man, along with his wife, continue to give back and give back and give back. We'll come back with more from Raleigh in a moment. Still to come, Donnie Collins next half hour, final half hour, Brett McMurphy. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Donnie Collins, Grand Times Tribune, next half hour to talk about Joe Moorhead and about bowl possibilities. Brett McMurphy, final half hour. He broke the story on Joe Moorhead and uh, also on uh, how the college football playoff is playing out. Dan Walken coming up tomorrow from USA Today also was part in breaking the story on Joe Moorhead going to Mississippi State. So there's plenty to talk about. Eli Manning benched in favor of Geno Smith. Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? We how many times have we discussed on this program the devoid of quality quarterbacks in the NFL? Now the Giants have a terrible record, but they have one of them. They have one of the quarterbacks that gets the game speed, gets the game, understands the whole deal, and they're benching him in favor of a guy that doesn't. Now, maybe someday Davis Webb's going to be the guy. We'll see. Uh, it was interesting. You were telling me today that in the cafeteria, who were the two people sitting there? The only two people, Eli Manning and Davis Webb. Tells you something about the professionalism of Eli Manning. Yeah, it was David I mean, the, Deal, the uh, the former uh, lineman 
of the New York yep. Giants. Uh, he was doing his show this morning with the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, on Sirius XM. And during a commercial break, they must have been doing it from the Giants facility. Uh, Deal goes into the uh, cafeteria, and he only saw two people in there this morning, right before sunrise, Dave uh, Webb and Eli Manning. I mean, that just that just shows you the integrity of Eli Manning. He could have easily, multiple times this season, chir- you know, chirped back at Ben McAdoo and didn't yep. have anything to do with that at all. All right, exactly. Um, so, but Geno Smith says, quote, guys were kind of fired up that he's going to be starting. They're giving me hugs, handshakes. I think the guys have witnessed my story from afar, just seeing how things have kind of played out. Well, I've witnessed your story too, Gino. I'm not impressed. Okay? <laughs> the wrong guy is starting a quarterback for the Giants as a lifelong Giants fan. Uh, Eli Manning is a guy that gets it. Uh, he, he's at all of his receivers have been gone. No running game. Problem at left tackle. Uh, it's uh, And you know what? You build, continue to build around the Eli Mannings. Right? You don't, okay, the person that made the decision to replace Eli Manning is the person that should be replaced. Okay? Ben McAdoo is... To me, watching from afar, as a Giants fan, the game is over too overwhelming for him. Just, I mean, even when they were winning last year in a variety of ways, I still was never really on board with him being the head coach. Like, okay. Uh, my question is, I don't think, Number one, I don't think Ben McAdoo's the head coach next year. Let's start with that. My question will be whether or not Jerry Reese is the general manager. So we'll see. I would say they're both gone. Yeah, I think there's a good chance they both are. But again, let's let's see how it plays out. Yeah. And you know I think me, I, I think Jerry Reese. There's there's been some times where he could have drafted a, a lot better. Um, yep. I would have to say, do you think Jerry Reese would have that job had been for Eli winning two Super Bowls? Right. Well, all I know is that they won two Super Bowls, and this guy was the quarterback, and in the biggest moments made the biggest plays. Now, is he always consistent? No, of course not. He's not always consistent. We know that. Uh, but you know what? You know, the the Eli Mannings are very hard to find uh, and that's that's an issue. They're they're hard to find. The Giants have one, and they're discarding him. Well, no offense, but if you're going to discard anybody, to me, it's the the guy at the top inspires. I'm talking about McAdoo. No confidence at all. I mean, you just feel. I mean, you look at him on the sideline, you feel like he's confused. Okay. All right. Uh, we talked about the coaching carousel and so forth. The college football playoff. Can somebody outside of the state of Ohio explain to me why Ohio State's in the thick of this thing? Can anybody explain that to me? Why is it? Why is it that Ohio State gets a pass on a 31-point loss to Iowa in November? Why do they get a pass for that? Okay. 31, big margin, to Iowa, okay, 
in November. I heard somebody said, I was told that somebody said last night in the show how well they played down the stretch. No offense, November is the stretch. November is the stretch. And they lost by 31 in Iowa in November. Why did they get a pass? Clemson. How many games has Syracuse won since beating Clemson? Shouldn't take too long. Let's go with zero. They won a single game. I don't want to hear the mumbo doll Syracuse. Syracuse has lost every game since they beat Clemson. Yeah, Bryant got hurt. Ah, Bryant got hurt in the second quarter. Okay, toward toward the end of it. And their defense, which has been their calling card anyway, gave up 30-plus points. They weren't ready. But they got a pass for that game. All right, they're a one-loss team, so I understand that. But you're looking at some of these two-loss teams, and they're getting passes. Huh? What? Nobody was handing out these passes last year. I know every year, I always talk about every game being different. Uh, I talk about uh, they take on their own personality, and every championship run like this is different, and they take on their own personality. But there are too many contradictions in here that I sit back and look at and say to myself, there's something not quite right with this. Now, if you want to get to eight teams and have the five conference champions of the championship games, be automatic bids with three at-large bids. Okay, you know I can buy into that, even though I think right now four is the right way to go. But why do certain programs get a pass when it's obvious that they're not playing championship-level football all the time? 31 points at Iowa. They act like the game was in September. I <sighs> that's I just uh, I don't know about you, but I look at stuff like that and I say, you know what? There's something not quite right with that. Now, in my opinion, say Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and say everything. Holds form. Say Auburn wins over Georgia. Say Clemson wins over Miami. And say that uh, Oklahoma beats TCU. The three favorites win. I think Alabama's the one that goes to four. Even though, as you know, I've talked about the 13th metric point. You know, why do you have to put your backside on the line for a 13th time while the other school doesn't? Well, guess what? We saw last year they made that work conveniently for themselves to keep Penn State out of it. Even though Penn State was the better team last year than Ohio State. And they were, believe me.